0: Isaiah chapter 60 this morning. Father God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to look into your word, to gather with the saints in worship, to give you praise. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your unchanging love. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you do not change. You are always with us, Father. Your Holy Spirit guides us in all things, and you cause us to triumph in every situation. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Amen. I've entitled my message today, What is Your Light? Well, what's a light? A light is something that lights up a room or dispels the darkness or whatever it is, right? Fairly simple question, we would think. But let's go to Isaiah and we'll go through it and uh, see what comes out. Verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and the glory, His glory, appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What we see here is a glorious promise, a glorious revelation. The glory, the splendor, the majesty of God Almighty would once again be seen in Israel. His blessing, His abundant goodness, would return to their land no more oppression no more despair no more captivity the lord's favor his loving kindness extending to his people his salvation made manifest to those who call on his name and when you read further down the chapter you see that families would be restored wealth and riches would be brought in from the far corners of the earth this is fantastic news Israel would once again be the envy of the nations. Once again they would hold their heads high because of what the Lord was going to do. What does it look like when the Lord's favor is on you? Isaiah 54 verse 13 to 17 in the God's word. So there's peace within your borders. All your children will be taught by the Lord. And your children will have unlimited peace. You will be established in righteousness. You will be far from oppression, so you will not be afraid. You will be far from destruction, so it won't come near you. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. This is the Lord speaking, remember. So you can't blame God when things go wrong. Whoever attacks you will be defeated by you. I've created blacksmiths to fan the coals into flames and to produce useful weapons. I've also created destroyers to bring destruction. This is all so that we can defeat those that attack us, right? No weapon that has been made to be used against you will succeed. You will have an answer For anyone who accuses you, this is the inheritance of the Lord's servants. Their victory comes from me, declares the Lord. There will be peace within your borders. Any that would rise up against you are stopped. Any attempts to destroy you are thwarted before they reach you. And all those who speak against you are silenced. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. God's will is for us to have peace. His blessing over us includes peace. There is rejoicing. Psalm 118, verse 15 from the Good News Bible says, Listen to the glad shouts of victory in the tents of God's people. The Lord's mighty power has done it. Whose power? Not mine. His. Right? Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. There is rejoicing when we are blessed by the Lord. There is abundant harvest. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Genesis 26, verse 12 says, Isaac sowed crops in that land, and that year he harvested a hundred times as much as he had sown, because the Lord blessed him. You have favor with your neighbors. Exodus eleven three says, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of all the people. I spoke with my brother-in-law recently. They're in transition with a move, buying a house and all this stuff. And And um, he was saying he was really blessed because everything that he put his hands to everything was falling into place really nicely. And I said, yes, you're right, that is a blessing. And there's two ways to know that you're blessed by God or that you're walking after him and and doing what is right. Everything goes well for you or everything tries to stop you, right? But when everything tries to stop you, where do you go? Where do you look? Who's on our side? Who's our source? Who's our supply? When Isaac sowed his crops in the land he was living in and received that hundredfold return, there was a famine in that land. God works in spite of circumstances, right? This is just a taste, but what a great promise. God's blessing and his glory restored to his people. But I want us to notice something. What's at the beginning of verse 1? A command. What does a command indicate? I have to do something. Right? But I thought God did this all for me. But you still have to do something. James 2.20 says, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? It takes us doing something to inherit the promise of faith. If we look at God's promises, everything Christ has done for us, we will see that they have conditions. Right? A lot of them say, if you do this, then I will do this. Right? If you confess Jesus as Lord, then you will be saved. Faith takes action. Some of them say, I've already done this, now you need to do, you need to follow. If we want to experience the fullness of God in our lives, there are certain things that we will need to do. Some things we need to start doing. Others we need to stop doing. And some things that just need a tune-up. In this case, the condition is, I did so you should. God has shone his light upon us, right? Freely we have received. Freely we need to give. And what we've received is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. You and I used to be in darkness, walking along, tripping on everything that came across our path, no matter how small. We gave in to all kinds of temptations. We followed all sorts of wrong thinking. We were contrary to God on all counts. Everything we did was a selfish reaction to what was happening around us. If it's not comfortable, I don't like it. If it doesn't make me happy, I want nothing to do with it. That's the mindset of people who walk in darkness. Right? And then, someone told us about Jesus. We felt convicted of our sins, so we asked God to forgive us. Now we have our fire insurance. All is well. We can just sit around and wait for the Lord to return. End of story, right? No. Beginning of story. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, he doesn't want to just be our fire insurance. He wants to be our Lord. He wants to lead us. He wants to change us. He didn't send the Holy Spirit just so that we could have goosebumps once in a while. Father gave us the Holy Spirit to change us and to empower us. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 from the Weymouth translation says and all of us with unveiled faces, nothing hidden Reflecting like bright mirrors the glory of God. Say that again. Me? Reflecting the glory of God? That means I look like God? What? That's the goal. We're supposed to look like Jesus. we are being transformed into the same likeness from one degree of radiant holiness to another, even as derived from the Holy Spirit. That's the change. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Everywhere we go, We are his witnesses. And the Holy Spirit is here to empower us. And a witness is somebody that testifies to what they have seen, either by word or by deed, right? We are to testify that we have seen the Father and we know the Father. God is not a toy collector. He is a father. He doesn't collect us like dolls or action figures to put on his shelf and say, "Look, oh yeah, I got another one." I have a coworker who's big into transformers, and he's on eBay every week to see what if he can get another transformer to put on his shelf, Put another notch in his belt. I got another one. Yeah. That's not our God. We're not trophies. He wants to have relationship with us. His heart aches and longs for all the hurting and broken people in this world. People who are orphans. Who do not know the love of the Father. Some have never known the love of any father. So they don't even know what to look for. And people who don't even know what God looks like. And that's where we come in. We are Christ in this world. We are the image of our Father. We are his hands and his feet. We show the world his heart. We show the world what he looks like. And how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. God has given us everything. Now we need to give back. In fact, he commands it. He says, arise and shine. What does it mean to arise? The word arise can encompass every part of our life. It means to get up from a sitting or a prone position. To awaken and get up. Most of us should be used to this already. It happens every morning. To move upward. To ascend. To come into being. It's the beginning of something to proceed as a result or have an outcome. Excuse me, please. To get up from a sitting position. That's your positioning. To waken. That's your condition. To move upward is your direction. And your beginning and your outcome. I want to look at these. The Strong's Dictionary says to rise, to abide, to accomplish, to get up, to make good, to establish, stir up, strengthen, and succeed. These are all actions, all stuff that requires our participation. So what is your position? Are you sitting? Are you lying down? We're told to get up, to change your posture. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God, and it says after we've prepared ourselves, we need to stand and to stand firm. Right? Right? If the enemy's approaching, you're not going to sit on your couch. Chances are he's going to overtake you in a hurry. Stand up. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. If you watch the old movies where there's battle scenes from years ago, medieval times, their armor started with a belt. They put this belt around them. And that belt held their breastplate in place. That belt was the foundation of their armor. That truth is the foundation of our righteousness. The truth of God is the foundation of our righteousness. Truth from our lips is foundational for our righteousness. We can't be righteous if we're going around spreading lies. Amen? What is your condition? Are you sleeping? Are you dead? Revive yourself. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Says, so then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Ephesians five thirteen and 14. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We need to stir ourselves up. What's your direction? Are you moving forward? Are you moving up? Are you being dragged down? Psalm 24 Verse 3 and 4 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully. There's that truth thing again. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Our goal is to be like Christ. He has already placed us in heavenly places. We are seated with God. Are we moving towards that? What was your beginning? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. A new life has arisen when we accept Christ. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm convinced that God, who began this good work in you, will carry it through to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. We're not immediately made perfect when we accept Christ. We all know that. Right? Those of us who think we are, wait a minute. God begun a work in us. Spiritually, we are new creations, but we still live in this earth suit. And this earth suit has kinks, and it's prone to rust. And as we grow in the Lord, as he works in us, he gives us the strength to overcome the inconsistencies of our earth suit. And eventually, we end up looking like him. What is our outcome? What is the end? Where are we? Where are we headed? Matthew twenty four, verse forty two to the end. Therefore. Keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let the house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So who then is that faithful and wise servant, whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household? to give them their food at the proper time it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns i tell you the truth he will put him in charge of all his possessions will you be put in charge or will you be that wise and that faithful servant 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Are we running the race? Are we going to finish strong? What is our outcome? Are we running to win that crown? That brings us to part two, to shine. is to emit light, to reflect light, to glisten, to distinguish oneself in an activity or a field, to excel, to aim or cast the beam or glow of a light. Excellence in quality or appearance. Splendor. We are the light of the world, according to Matthew 5, verse 14. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. There is nowhere we can go where someone will not see us. There is no place that we are not a testimony to the goodness and glory of God. No place where our light will not be seen. What does our light look like? And that's what I want to concentrate on more today. What does our light look like? Ephesians 5 verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is a shame to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Going through a lot of scripture, try and keep up, but... 13, verse 8 to 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I would hope that most of us had moved on from drunkenness, immorality, and the like. But do we still struggle with jealousy, with dissension, pride, anger? Do we stir up strife? Are we impatient? Do we gossip? Do we lie? Those are all works of darkness. What does the world see when they look at us? Do they see the power of God at work in our lives? Do they see His glory shining on and through you? Or do they see despair and gloom? Do we dwell on the bad news instead of promoting what God has done? When everything goes wrong, do we call on the Lord? Or do we mope about, oh, woe is me, woe is me? What do the people see when we face trials? Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do we look like Jesus? Is my conversation indicative of a life that is being changed into his image? If I make mistakes, am I quick to repent? Do I offer the same mercy to others that I have received or even expect for myself? That's one that I've had to deal with. I have expectations that I want other people to live up to. Do I offer them the same mercy that God offers to me? Do I judge others by their actions and myself by my intentions? What does my light look like? 1 Peter 2, verse 9. I want to read this out of a few different translations here. 1 Peter 2, 9. The Bible in basic English puts it this way. But you are a special people, a holy nation, priests and kings, a people given up completely to God, so that you may make clear the virtues of him who took you out of the dark into the light of heaven. And I like the way they put that, to make clear the virtues of God, to show God's character. God's word says, however, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Matthew six twenty two says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If what the world looks at as the light is no different than what they already see, Are they going to be running to us? Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawning. If our light looks like we ate sour grapes and washed them down with vinegar, we won't have much success. If we look like the Grinch, we're in trouble. If our light looks like the bottom of a trash compactor, it's time to repent. Galatians five twenty two and twenty three The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. Against these there is no law. Does my light have joy in it? Does my light show patience? Does it show self-control or kindness? All little things, really, if we keep them to ourself, right? Not so much. What the people see in us is what they think of God. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, as a reminder, we're not saved by our deeds. We're not made righteous by our deeds. Our own righteousness is filthy rags before God. It is the work that he has done through Jesus Christ that saves us. However, our deeds should be evidence of a life changed by the power of God. Let's wake up. Let's stand up. Let's move towards God. Remember that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Remember that the Lord has begun the good work in us. It's his doing. And he will continue to change us from glory to glory as we are submitted to him. And let's run the race to win. Let's let our light be the glory of God in and upon us. Father I thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I thank you that you don't give up on us but that you are patiently working in each one bringing forth the character of Christ reflecting off of us your glory. that all men would see your character, your goodness, your kindness when they look at us. Continue to enlighten our path, Father. Cause us to be made into the image of Christ.